Well, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I've got two older brothers, and they had the wise idea one time of running away from home. They, they, they were trying to use a little bit of their wisdom. They thought, well, we'll wait till mom goes off grocery shopping, and we'll get some things together, and we'll head out. Well, they took a little longer than they thought they would to get things together. And by the time they were going out the door, mom was just getting home. You know, moms are pretty savvy. She took one look at these two boys. She figured out what they were probably trying to do. And as she walked past them with a bag of groceries and they passed, she just looked over at them and said, is that all you boys are taking? (laughs) They... They looked at each other and thought, maybe this isn't in the top 10 of ideas we've ever had, and decided maybe they'll just go back inside the house. Running away from home is not a good idea. The the Lord's Prayer talks about being home. I want to read the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. You can follow along if you want. It's almost so familiar that we don't get it. We don't catch it. So if you want to close your eyes, that's fine. I'm going to read it, listen to it, and pray it as you hear it. Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The the Lord's Prayer is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think you can make an argument that the Lord's Prayer sums up the Sermon on the Mount because it It speaks of our God as our Father. Our, I'm getting ahead of myself here. What I want to do now is show you a video clip from The Chosen. How many have watched The Chosen or clips of it? Okay. If you haven't, hopefully this clip will encourage you to to watch it. Um, I must say we're going to show it fast and I'm going to exit quickly because we don't have permission to do this. No, not really. I, I actually... I actually got written permission, would you believe it, written permission from the chosen team to not only show this clip, but feel free to put it on our website and include it in the sermon, in the service, as it's put on online. So this is a great clip. I want you to listen for one line. So this is a test, okay? You have to try to listen for the line, get used to different. Get used to different. Okay, let's take a look at this. Stay home. I have to see my mother. Uh, I'm cooking out too. She asked, when are we going to give her grandchildren? 
just don't speak to me. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I can use the talent that God gave me against God. Next, you're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. In the same world, Matthew. Next, besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know? Yes. Listen, I said it. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can you put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find useful. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Get used to different. Not the world's ways. Not the ways you see modeled, we see modeled every day around us. Get used to different. Get used to God's ways. Those of us he's said, follow me to, we're following him. Get used to different. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's only three chapters. I, I, I took the opportunity to read through it slowly out loud with expression, and it was less than 15 minutes. 
They give me 30 minutes up here. And, I <laughs> and he did the whole thing. But this is a sermon that was delivered by Jesus. And his, his goal was to, in one sense, resurrect God's message to his people. Because it had been layered over and buried and hidden, pushed down, checkmarked off. And saying, okay, Sunday morning I went to church. I'm good for the rest of the week. There, there was a temptation that was, people could just meet God's expectations. Either they were meetable and checkable, or they, it was so hopeless that everybody had given up. Jesus came in the Sermon on the Mount in his life to show that we as believers have communion with him. That's what he says in the first, in the opening part. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, (laughs) there's so much there. It's community. Our Father. In his Father, the name of God that is, it, it's relationship, it's connectedness, it's, we're, there's a desire to look to God and pursue him. Jesus says, pursue God. Max Lucado tells a story in his, in his book, Before Amen, that his 13-year-old daughter was doing a piano recital. Anybody 13 out here? Have you ever been in a situation where you were in front of people, maybe it was the first time, and you were nervous? Well, Jenna, Max's daughter, was nervous. She's, she's a pretty good piano player, but when you're in front of people, things kind of changes the dynamics. Well, she started playing. Max and his wife were, oh, she's, she's going to make it. She's going to make it. She got to a certain point, and she just stopped. It was like a brick wall. She couldn't get past a certain point in what she was playing. And Max and his wife were sweat starting to form. And so she backs up a couple of measures. She takes a running start again. Boom, stops. She's, Max and his wife, she's panicked. She's not going to be able to finish it. A few moments later, she, she goes back, starts again, and she, she makes it past that point. She finishes up, and she gets up and recognizes the audience applause and rushes off stage. Max and his wife went behind stage, and his daughter, Jenna, just ran up to her dad, Max, threw her arms around him and said, Oh, Daddy! That illustrates our father. We come to him when we're hurt. We come to him when we need help. He invites us to come to him. When you, when you look at how many times, there are certain phrases in the Sermon on the Mount that when you read through it, if you're watching for them, they, they just start popping out. The idea of heaven. Heaven's mentioned 17 times in these three chapters. The phrase of our father, your father, is there 16 times. Jesus is saying, God is inviting you. God 
your father is inviting you into fellowship and being with him. Approaching him, coming with boldness and confidence before the creator. Heaven is home. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Heaven is home. That's our starting point. When you go to a web page, I usually go to the home page. Why? Because that's where it tells you what's available. That's where it orients you and gives you a foundation and a reference point. Heaven is our reference point. Heaven is our foundation. Heaven is where we go to get oriented. Not, not the world. We go to our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. We have the privilege of going to God, being in his presence. He's holy, we're not. He's in heaven, we're not. But he's inviting us to join him. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Heaven is home. Get used to different. (laughs) Get used, don't be like my brothers thinking about running away. Stay home. Make heaven your home. Get used to different. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we make heaven our home, we're asking God to bring his kingdom, his heaven on earth. We're asking God that as he rules in heaven, we want him to rule here on earth. Heaven is home. Heaven on earth. What do I mean by that? Chuck Colson wrote a book that it was kingdoms in, kingdoms in conflict. That's what we have. Did Jesus know that kingdoms were in conflict? He sure did. He taught us this prayer. Heaven is home, heaven on earth. There, those kingdoms, God's kingdom in heaven, And here on earth, those kingdoms collide. We get the chance to see kingdom breakthroughs. I've got a friend who's a medical doctor. He told me about a time he was with a patient. This, This guy checked into the hospital. It was clear to all the medical staff that this man, there was simply nothing they could do for him. He was going to die in a matter of days. My my medical doctor friend would go on rounds. He'd talk with him. One time, they got talking about spiritual things. And the medical doctor took the opportunity to ask him, well, when you die, what's going to happen? What's next? And the patient, and he also knew he was going to die, so he was thinking serious thoughts. The patient said, well, I've lived a pretty good life. I... You know, if if I weighed pluses and minuses, I've probably done more good than bad. Common answer from a lot of people. The medical doctor said, that's not the way it works. (laughs) That's not the way it works. Which prompted the question, 
How does it work? The medical doctor went on to explain that it's not averaging them out. It's not more good than bad. The standard is perfection. Something that no human, apart from Jesus, can meet. My friend went on to explain to this dying man that unless you look to Jesus to solve your sin problem, you're not getting into heaven, period. My friend said, would you want this? And the dying patient said, why would I not want that? And he prayed to receive Christ and trust him. That's, that's the kingdom breaking through. That's heaven, heaven's rule, God's rule, coming through and penetrating and, may, and obvious God is working. Another kingdom breakthrough. I was sitting around a table this past week with several folks, and we were talking about Bible reading. And this gal said, you know, a while back, I decided I'm going to read through the Bible. She had started in Genesis, made it through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. She was just finishing up that day in the last part of Deuteronomy. And we commented, that's, that's just wonderful that you've committed to doing that. One person said, if you can make it through Leviticus, you're, you're past the tough part. But you know what? She, she knew this contains the words of life. She was committed to reading God's word, the words of life. Another person at the table said, you know, (laughs) you might be leading a Bible study soon. And she kind of passed that off. That same day, about two hours later, a co-worker came up to her and said, could we do a Bible study together? The kingdom broke through. We, we see that when we see relationships, reconciliation. We see that when God's ways are honored over man's ways. The kingdom breaks through. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven on earth. Get used to different. Get used to different. Heaven is home, heaven on earth. And I want to take the rest of the Lord's Prayer and I I want to sum this up with heaven in me. Because I think the principles in, in verses 11 through 13, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of these shout dependence. All of these go against what our culture tells us. We are called to be dependent on our Heavenly Father. We have a choice to make. Initially, we have a choice to follow Christ and trust Him as our Savior, the only way we can be reconciled to God. But then we have a daily moment-by-moment choice as we walk through our days to trust him and be dependent on him. When we invite 
God, or when we are invited by God to come before him, it's like he walks into our world. (laughs) He takes up residence. He says, okay, Ken, you know that thing you're worried about? You know, you know... (laughs) You're concerned about tomorrow and maybe you won't have enough to eat. My mom used to tell me when I was, when I was hungry, I'd say, Mom, I got nothing to eat. She'd say, well, go in the kitchen and if you can't find anything, you're not very hungry. You know, we can go in our kitchens, we can go in our cupboards and we can usually find something to eat. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about understanding that even those things that so easily we take for granted... God provided them. Any good thing we have is provided by God. You know, growing up, your parents maybe provided that. Now maybe retirement, working years, whatever, you go grocery shopping, you don't think much of it. But God is still providing for you. Whatever you had for breakfast, God provided that. It's not like we can take credit for anything good in our lives. The fact that we're all breathing is a gift. God is saying, I'm giving you that next breath so you can trust me, so you can be dependent upon me. There was an orphanage in Korea This was after the Korean War, and normally, unfortunately, after wars, there are a lot of orphans. And there was this one orphanage that really had a problem with kids being concerned about the next day's food. They were being fed adequately. There there was no issue there. But the stress and the trauma in the kids' lives, having gone through what they did, caused them to be worried about, will there be anything to eat tomorrow? Well, somebody came up with the idea of when they go to bed, we'll give them a piece of bread, kind of a down payment for tomorrow's food. That's what God promises us. We don't need a physical piece of bread. We have a promise. We have a promise that God is going to take care of us. The next phrase, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This one has a condition. (laughs) Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God is our model. That's how we should operate. That's kingdom rule. That's heaven in me. Being dependent on daily things, being dependent on the fact that God has forgiven me in the past, which gives me an unlimited bank account for forgiveness. I I don't know what you all have been through. I don't know what you've been through in the past what you're suffering now, what you're fearful of in the future. God has it. Get used to different. Get used to depending on him. God has it. Heaven's your home. Heaven on earth, heaven in me, 
as a believer. The last phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I heard of a a guy one time who was overweight. He told people at the office, look, he said, I'm going to stop bringing donuts to work. You know, it's just too much. I stop at the bakery and I buy stuff I shouldn't buy. I'm going on a diet. So we stopped going to the bakery. He did okay for a couple of weeks, but then there was some construction and he had to go past the bakery. And as he drove past, he could, I don't know if he could really smell it or not, but he imagined he could, all the good stuff coming out of that bakery. So he said, okay, Lord, if you provide me a parking spot right near the door, I'll stop. Well, the eighth time around the block, he saw a good parking spot. (laughs) Don't be that guy. But you know what? That's realistic in the sense that we all stumble. God promises here we can still come to him. Deliver us from evil. And don't get carried away with the idea of lead us not into temptation. Jesus, God is not going to lead us into temptation. Let me read a couple of verses that kind of shed some light on this and look at it from a different angle. And these are both from Jesus. Matthew twenty six forty one says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And in the great priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus is talking to his father and he's praying for believers. John 17, 15 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Heaven is home. Don't run away from home. Get used to different. Come back to him. Stay with him. He will provide. He will provide a way to follow him, to stay with him. The the New Living Translation translates this verse, don't let us yield to temptation. I like that. On our own, We keep driving around the park, looking for that parking place. God says, no, 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 no. Pursue me. Pursue me. Follow me. Trust me. I will provide. Our Father in heaven. That's where we start. That's our home button. That's our home page. That's where we stay to live the Christian life. Heaven is home, heaven on earth, heaven in me. Get used to different. I'm going to swipe something else from Max Locato. His book, Before Amen, is just wonderful. He tells this story. You know, Jay used to say a lot, it's time to land this thing. Okay, It's time to land this thing, but I'm really going to do it because this is an airplane story. Max says, as I boarded a plane last week, the pilot called my name. He was standing in the cockpit entrance greeting passengers. Well, hello, Max, he said. 
It was my friend Joe. He's the Methuselah of the airways. He's been flying forever. He flew transports in Vietnam and has logged a book full of hours as a commercial pilot. He's faced every crisis you could face. Empty fuel tanks, electrical storms. He's a good pilot. And he's a friend, a good friend. He's not my neighbor, but if he were, my property value would go up. He's good in skill and good in heart. We chatted for a few minutes, and I went to my seat with a sense of assurance. What more could I request, I thought. The pilot is experienced and proven. Even more, he's my friend. I'm in good hands. The knowledge came in handy. An hour into the flight, we hit a wall of winds. People gasped, dentures rattled, and rosary beads were asked to be brought out. He said, I've had smoother roller coaster rides. Unlike the other passengers, however, Max says, I stayed calm. I didn't have a death wish, but I had an advantage. I knew the pilot. I knew Joe. I knew his heart and trusted his skill. Joe can handle this, I told myself. The storm was bad, but the pilot was good. So as much as one can relax in a squall, I did. My friend Joe got us through the storm just fine. He landed the plane, stood in the cockpit door as we exited the flight. Got a bit choppy there, Joe, I commented. Yeah, he agreed. Were you scared? Not really, I replied. Everything changes when you know the pilot. We know the pilot. We know the pilot. The pilot knows us. Get used to different. Let's pray. Father, impress upon us that you live and reign not only in heaven, but all around me and in my life. Amen.